Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner in crime for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, your vocation, your spiritual life, or maybe your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Hello, my name is Chris Maxwell, and I'm here with my dear friend Tracy Reynolds for Next Step Leadership. Tracy, it's great to be together again, and I hope everything is going well for you. Hey, I'm doing great, particularly great because today we've got John Campbell, another dear friend and colleague here with us, and we've got some lawnmowers just outside the window that are serenading us. And we just decided that we like the sound of that so much, we probably just let them play along. So, uh, John, welcome that's, to you. That's what you decided, Tracy. I, I wasn't part of that decision. <laughs> but, but I did realize that uh, life is full of those interruptions. And that's a good fit for what we're talking about today. Uh, so give us a little more information before we ask John to talk. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit more about him and, and uh, what's going on in his life right now. Well, I met John when he was uh, just getting out of high school, and it's funny, we went back, uh, we had a cup of coffee together, and I just asked him what, what was going on. I had heard good things about him from our youth pastor, said, you need to meet this guy. So I thought, well, let's get John. So I, had, I went to Starbucks and hung That's out together, right. and we basically said, I said, I remember saying something like, hey man, how did we come to be sitting at this table? <laughs> and so he told a bit of his story, and next thing I know... Um, he ends up at Emmanuel College. Mm-hmm. He does a, a, an undergrad, finishes an undergraduate degree there, and uh, then we hire him at the college. He was an RA. He became an, a residence director, and then he became. Uh, I was had the pleasure of hiring him as the director of housing mm-hmm. uh, and residence life at uh, Emmanuel College, and so he wrote a book. Which, that was one of those times, I think, you know, what did you do during COVID? Well, one of the things John did was he wrote a book, and I read this, and it is so John. Yeah. John and I both are crybabies. And uh, so, uh, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to, to make us cry, so we're, uh, we're together in that. But he wrote a book called Room 6060, Of Death and Hope, Of Grief and Joy. And I had the privilege of reading it before it was published, as you did, and it blessed me. And, you know, there are... There are a fair number of decent books on death and dying, but from the Christian perspective, it just seems like there just aren't enough. And this one's fresh, and, and yeah. so we just decided together, hey, we need to have John with us. Yeah, and it's and it is an honor to have John. We're not saying that lightly, uh, John. We appreciate you as a person, and uh, I appreciate you uh, taking us into the grief. Um, as as Tracy and I have conversations about leaders and thinking of next step. Um, we need to understand better the steps that we're taking now and not live in denial of those steps. So, John, thanks again for joining us. And talk to us a little bit about the steps that you've been on uh, as it turns out to be this book, Room 6060. Well, thank you both for having me. It's, uh, well, it's many things to be sitting here with the two of you, two of uh, my mentors, two people that I call pastor. Um, one of whom I call boss in a future, I mean, in a former season. So uh, to be sitting here with uh, a couple of, you know, my mentors, but also two people uh, on planet Earth that I just love so much is is a great joy. 
Um, so it's good to be here. I did write a book. Um, it was a team effort, which is one part that I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, it's a book uh, called Room 6060. Um, I guess the first thing we can say about it is why is it named Room 6060. It's direct reference to uh, the hospital room um, that uh, we said farewell to my final grandparent, my nanny, um, someone that we loved very dearly. It's where we said farewell to her two years ago on Easter. Uh, mm-hmm. She passed away. So, um, yeah, we've been writing this book really almost since she passed away. I think I started writing it about a month or so after after she passed, after we worked through the, the funerals and, um, you know, those those times of mourning and having services and ultimately laying her in the ground, you know. Um, and since then, uh, you know, it just, it, it began as a journal and, uh, the journal never really stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, what, what I started writing one day carried on for another nine or 10 months. And then I remember I showed it to you, Pastor Chris, and, um, you know, from there it, it started to become something more. And, uh, we started to think about, you know, how can this go from being something that was just for my family, you know, because that was the original intent, actually, was to write this and give it to them as a Christmas present, you know, just to remember um, this time that we spent with Nanny in the hospital saying farewell to her in this way that for us was hard and painful, of course, death always is, but in another perspective, also very poetic, very very beautiful. Um, Pastor Tracy warned us that we're both crybabies, and I'm already feeling some of that coming up. Um, That's okay. But, yeah, I mean, the steps, I think, is what you asked about. The steps uh, that, that we walked through, are, they're diverse, and um, they're many. I mean, the farewell, uh, the struggles, um, the, the questions of faith, you know, the, the conflict that, that you walk through as, as a human being when you're uh, letting go of somebody that is precious to you. Um, thinking about how could I have been a better grandson? You know, that was one of my big conflicts, you know, is, uh, this, this concept of guilt and man, all the time is gone now. I wish I had more time, uh, to be a better grandson for her. Um, conflict of you know, having to let go of the memory of who she was and accept that um, her time had come and that uh, Jesus was calling her to become someone new uh, with him. So, um, and then just, you know, a lot of, a lot of processing, a lot of um, coming to peace, cherishing the memories that, that I have of her, uh, being thankful for the days that I had with her and ultimately looking forward to uh, more days Many, many more days yeah. in life yeah. everlasting. One of one of the words you just used was process. Yes. And we often forget that uh, grief is a process. Uh, the grief of the dying, but also this grief of those who are still alive, but maybe they've changed. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, they. it looks like they will be passing away sooner than we had hoped. Uh, but we're going through this process of learning what life is like as we're thinking about what death will be like. Um, So just take us back and tell us a little more specifically about this story, uh, about what you were feeling, what you were thinking, because as you mentioned, you wrote this. uh, Originally, this was a a therapy for you to write this. So you wrote this for yourself, 
then you crafted it a little differently and provided it for the family. And now it's for anyone who's willing to read this. And there's so many people that need this book, John. I mean, Tracy and I have talked about it so much. People need stories about grief because these are stories about life. So take us there and be a little more specific about the pain and it's and it is okay to cry. <laughs> you know, the, these bodies were <laughs> only if I can cry with them. Oh, yeah. please, we, we were created me. to cry. And as as uh, Tracy and I talk about next step leaders, we we do believe that leaders need to take those next steps. Sometimes it includes laughter and joy, and sometimes mm. it includes tears and mourning. Yeah, I, you know, thinking back on that week in the hospital. Um, you know, uh, my nanny was at a place in her life where uh, she was 83 years old. And, you know, like many of us have experienced with our grandparents or perhaps our parents, uh, depending on what age you're at, she had reached a time in life where dementia had started to take over her mind. Um, basic things were very confusing for her. And uh, she was less and less lucid as the days went on. And Um, So she had reached this place in her life where we were, you know, as a family, we were kind of thinking there's not much time left. But still, the week that she ended up in the hospital, we were not thinking that this was the time at all. It was a surprise for us. And when we first realized that she was, you know, going to the hospital, um, it was kind of like, oh, you know, that's that's hard. That's sad. Let's go visit her, you know, out of of a sense of duty and, and, and wanting to to support her, but none of us had the, the, the thought that like, we're going to visit her in the last place that she will ever be. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, one of the conflicts of room 6060 really is this, um, the hospital itself being her final home and, um, the hospital, the, the, the doctors and the nurses, they did a fantastic job there. Um, at Piedmont Athens Regional, you know, did a spectacular job, but still it's, you know, from, you know, just a family perspective, you know, someone you love, they're not meant to uh, go and live in a hospital and let that be their last place. You know, you want them, you want them back with you. You want them at your home. You want to be having dinners around, you know, the, the dining room table together. And so, um, I just recall the the shift in the mood that took place over the over that week that we were with her there, going from she's sick, we're going to go visit her just to show her that we love her and we support her, um, but this is not the end. And then we learned, it's, you know, surprise, it's not one thing; it's actually something more serious. And then surprise again, we're signing a DNR, um, and we're not going to attempt to resuscitate her. And um, you know the transition that took place from Monday to really Sunday, early morning hours, uh, was one of surprise, shock, uh, questioning, um, wondering how do we pray about this as a family? Do we ask for healing? Um, or do we just try to come to grips with that? This is her, her moment to walk through, um, death's door into, everlasting life and so there was um a lot of struggling that took place um but ultimately at the end of the week uh we we were able to 
embrace that this was a farewell. This was a temporary farewell, thank God, that it is just temporary. Um, and the pain of that week is, is really, you can't put it into one word because it expresses itself in so many ways. And I think that's how any of us who've lost people um, could say that, that the pain is multidimensional. It's kaleidoscopic, you know. You know, one of the things that, uh, and thanks so much for just being John, uh, as I knew you would be, buddy. One of the things that I encountered while reading your book that took me by surprise was that I was, as I was reading your story, I found myself reliving my stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found myself beside my father yeah. in the living room um, of the home, yeah. which is not where you wanted to be either, by the way. And then in thinking through, we didn't have that opportunity with my, my brother. He was just gone. And I mean, thankfully, it was just quick. But, and then, you know, having a, lost a grandmother to leukemia within 36 hours and then another one to cancer for two and a half years, the, all those stories are different. And then both my in laws at home. But I, I just remember getting back in contact. I mean, I, I was just reading the book, enjoying the writings of my friend, and before you know it, I'm a puddle in the floor. Uh, just, And it wasn't bad. It was, it was therapeutic. It was helpful to go there. Because some of those, that's 35 years ago and 22 years ago. But we don't get over grief. And we are affected by it. Uh, and it helps to do just what we're doing right now. I mean, the three of us with with noise behind us and noise outside. Uh, there's also noise inside, the noise of the past, uh, the noise of grief. And it is healthy for us to have conversations like this to help us uh, deal with the pain and the hurt. Um, Tracy, as you were reading, as you were reading the book, you, you talked about how it helped you relate to your own stories. Um, but how did, how did you feel as, as a leader uh, in thinking about how, as leaders, we, we must learn to grieve better and deal with the pains of life? Well, it made me want to be more open, to not forget, to share those stories, even though it's been 35 years. Because I vividly remember that it was those people who had been through similar circumstances that helped get me through. I remember um, when my brother passed away, uh, that standing, you know, when somebody dies tragically, there was hundreds and hundreds of people come, and, and there's the ordeal of the visitation, which was, uh, it was hell and heaven all at the same time. But one of the things I'll never forget is how I'd, be, I'd see somebody out of the corner of my eye in that, that group of people coming to greet you and hug your neck and give you encouragement and just to be there. They don't have anything to say. But I would, I would think and I'd say, well, there's, oh, there's this person. There's Glenn, and he lost a brother. And here's Sarah, and she'd lost a sister, and I'd forgotten that. And at a certain level, when they hugged my neck, I knew that they got it. Not that they, none of them said, oh, I know how you feel, because it's not the same. It wasn't cookie cutter. But there was a sense of empathy and care and, and connection that was therapeutic. Again, it was helpful just to know that they're still breathing. They're okay. There's life after this. Well, John, um, before we close um, this podcast, um, our next one will be continuing the story. But, but the next time uh, that we talk to you in the next podcast will be more of... Uh, ideas and suggestions, uh, focusing on what the second part of your book is about. 
but before we close this and then prepare for the next one, uh, give us just a, a short takeaway of how, how God is our true leader, even as we cry, even as we grieve, not to preach to us, not to, not to condemn us for grieving, but to leave, and, leave us in this place of pain, but not alone, but meet us there. Mm-hmm. Just meet us there. How, how, does, how does that work? I, uh, when I was thinking about these things, a verse from Psalm 116 kind of came to me. It's a verse, it's a verse that I uh, haven't read in a while, but it, it basically says that the death of every single one of God's people is precious to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a, a takeaway for me in this entire experience and losing Nanny and then writing this, this story about her is really that no story is, is ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, every story is noteworthy and you want to talk about God as our leader. A good leader is sensitive to the situations, the needs, the, the cares, the concerns of the hearts of his people. Every family, every life is precious mm-hmm. to God, our leader. Um, no loss goes unfelt. No wow. story goes unheard by him. No story is too small or too ordinary for the fullest measure of his attention, for the fullest measure of his love, the fullest measure of his, of his hope and his mercy. And so I think that's something as leaders that's, that we want to take away from God is that every single story, none of them are ordinary. Every story is noteworthy. Yeah. Every story is worthy of our fullest attention and love and, mm-hmm. um, and mercy and all of those things that God gives to us. John, that is so good. And, and as, uh, as, as we conclude this, um, just thank you again for your book. We'll talk more about it again. But Room 6060 of Death and Hope of Grief and Joy. Um, John, we believe, uh, Tracy and I just firmly believe that uh, even as we are grieving, our next step can be our best step. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Hey, do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Chris Maxwell is the author of 10 books, including Pause with Jesus, Underwater, A Slow and Sudden God, and his latest book of poetry, Embracing Now. You can find links to all of his work and our social media information at our website, nextstepleadership.buzzsprout.com. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. Follow them on Instagram at Casual Americans. And new music is coming soon. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday, so join us next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Step.